And now, it's time for Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. Hello, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast. It is brand new. I'm Mike Sweeney, not brand new. The opposite of whatever brand new is. <laughs> That's me. I'm gently warmed up leftovers. Oh, Jesse. Jesse Gaskell. That's not true at all. <laughs> You're piping fresh, hot out of the oven. Hello. Hello. I hope you had a nice week. What have you been up to? Sure. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I had a week. Ah, there you go. Seven days. Check, 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 check. Um, yeah. What have you been up to? I thought I, I was like, oh, what did I do this week? And I was like, absolutely nothing. And then I realized, no, I've been trying to buy a car, <gasps> oh, which is, right. which is worse than, than doing nothing. Yeah, it's, You mentioned you got T-boned. Yeah. Your I got, car t- got totaled. Yeah, yeah. They totaled it out and, and. Which sounds a lot more delicious than it, yes, it is. It I'm assuming. There's this car dealership nearby and I've been. Oh, did they get your phone number? And now they call you all the time. I wish they'd call me. I'm. J- I j- just want to buy a car, and they're like, "Well, it's like a shell game." They're like, "Well, we don't have them here, oh, but we can get them the here chain. if you're going to buy one." And yeah, there there are many <laughs> many new games. I haven't bought a car in a while, so yeah, I'm fascinated by all the latest shenanigans. Well, and I think invented. it's a real seller's market right now. It, yeah. So there's like no negotiating, which actually would be a relief to me because I'm terrible at bartering but oh i'm the i yeah i remember once i went to the lower east side years ago they're like oh you know in flea market you can bargain and they'd offer prices and i'd lower it and they'd they just kept going no it's (laughs) it's 12.99 i was like how about eight i'd literally bargain right up to the 12.99 and then yeah yeah and then give it well then i'd feel bad i argued with them and then i tip them on top of it (laughs) so very bad negotiator. Yeah, they could smell you coming. Yes. But buying a car is, yeah, nightmare. I might... It is. Just ride my bike everywhere. What What have you been up to? Uh, Well, so you you didn't end up... You haven't bought a car yet. It's in progress, I think. If they can get one to the lot. I don't know. He's like... Do they even have cars for you to test drive? They. I can't get a straight answer out of them about <laughs> where the cars are, what year they are. It's, it's all insanity. It's Yeah. They might just not want to sell me a car. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, they might be a money laundering joint, so... Because they don't act like they really actually want to sell a <laughs> like car. Like they care at all, yeah. No? Uh, why, what have you been up to? Uh, oh, I mean, not, not that much, but I have a little piece that came out in McSweeney's. Oh, that's great. This week, um... You saw it already. It's a it's an infographic. Oh, right. That's a flowchart called "Will I Have Diarrhea?" Yes, that's really funny. Thank you. Yes. It is inspired by my life. Uh, okay, it's autobiographical. <laughs> it's in lieu of a, writing a memoir. You did a flowchart of. Yeah, I feel like it's covered most of the important stuff. No, there are many uh, life moments in your chart. Yes, yes, that are all diarrhea-inducing. You do get a good, a strong sense of the author by reading it. <laughs> oh, well, that's great. So it came out this week, just in time for the yes, holidays. Yes, exactly. Everyone wants more diarrhea content. Definitely give me diarrhea. Around the holidays. <laughs> so you're filling a, a niche. Well, and I'm honestly a little bit happy to have found my personal brand. 
<laughs> Finally. Why are they asking for more? They're like, please give us more of this content. I think people are, are thirsty for diarrhea yeah. content. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I We always... We didn't get to do a lot of that stuff on Conan because we were told he was not that into scatological humor. Conan does not love scatological Unless humor. Unless he's the one doing it, I've then found. I'll, yes. They, there's, then he loves it. There's a clause buried deep in the, the rules <laughs> of, of comedy for the show where it'd be like, hey, wait a minute. Why is this all of a sudden being done with gusto? Yeah, uh, then we went to Italy with Jordan and gave him fart sound effects on a sound machine and that was all he did the entire right. time. That's true. <laughs> Well, those were special circumstances. I mean, that's true. You're in another country. I think anything goes. Mm-hmm. I think he felt like I'm doing scatological humor outside the United States. It doesn't count. Right. It sort of bridges the language gap. Right. I uh, just to tie it all together. I also had diarrhea on that Italy trip. Oh, you did. Yeah. Wow. I. You know. I mean, we're we're dr- eating a lot of meat and drinking that red wine. Hey, you know, I just watched uh, Succession. Yes. And I think. There's a scene in Cortona where you might have gotten sick. Oh, no way. But certainly where we spent two days shooting some of my favorite scenes. I watched the episode. Was it? Is it when they go out for the bachelorette party? Yes, probably the bachelorette party. And I swear for a moment, I see the steps of <gasps> the Cortona City Hall. And Jordan. Yes. Lurking Jordan in the distance. <laughs> <laughs> waiting to be recognized. Yes. <laughs> uh, he's just standing there at attention, hoping. And, hey, I love the Italy show. Thank you. Oh, really? Oh, Thank oh, you very oh, much. Oh. oh, funny you should have mentioned that. Oh, right. I'm standing right I'm here in Cortona. a Conan sweatshirt mm-hmm. <laughs> on the exact steps yes. where we filmed. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I have to go back and double check or not double check, but I'm no, pretty sure it was Cortona. let's just say it was. Yeah. It was Cortona. It was Cortona. Um, we have a great show today. It's the opposite of diarrhea. Oh, wow. Is that a... I love that. And I think our guest will too. I think she'll really appreciate it. <laughs> We're talking to Courtney Thorne Smith, who recently came into the news because of her 1997 appearance on Conan alongside the late, great Norm MacDonald. People resurfaced that clip and the way that it, everything went off the rails and it, Went viral. Again. Again, yes. Yes, it's always been a popular... It's just a classic Norm MacDonald clip. It's He's so funny. It is, and it builds really perfectly. It's like a comedy masterclass. Yes. Uh, we were excited to talk to her about it and, and get her take on what it was like being on the guest chair that night with Norm MacDonald next to her, kind of almost taking over her interview and... Uh, well, and yeah, we wanted to give her a chance to talk. Yeah. And she's very talented and funny in her own right. And um, I mean, you, you've probably seen her. She's an actress on Melrose Place, Allie McBeal, according to Jim, and a lot of other shows. So here's Courtney Thorne-Smith. Well, hi, Courtney. Courtney Thorne-Smith. Hi. Do you go by all three names or do you just... I go by television's Courtney Thorne-Smith. Television's Courtney Thorne-Smith. Yeah, it was a lot for my son when he was little, but he got used (laughs) to it. Right, sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's important to know how to address people. Um, A lot of his friends are probably like, wait, what's television? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, My son will actually say to me, I know you were big in the 90s. (laughs) (laughs) But the 90s are back. 
I'm sure everything you used to wear on Melrose Place is like now being sold at Urban Outfitters. Well, you know, so I went back and looked at the clip we're talking about today because I hadn't seen it since I was on it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted yeah. to talk about it. And those pants are back in. Everything I was wearing is back Everything. in. Yeah. I wish, don't you wish you'd kept it all? I probably still have most of that. <laughs> I don't know if that set design's back in, but the clothing's all back in. <laughs> and, and the clip you're referencing is uh, the now, well, it's been famous for a long time, the clip of you with uh, Norm MacDonald on Late Night with Conan O'Brien from 1997. Yeah, and it just resurfaced again because Norm sadly passed away, mm. um, surprisingly to I think most people. Right. And people were sharing that clip because it was a <laughs> perfect storm of Norm really firing on all cylinders and right. completely undermining your attempt to promote a movie that you were in. It became a highlight clip on Conan because that was 97, like he did a fifth anniversary special. And that clip was like kind of the big ender to the guest package of great memorable moments. And then the 10th anniversary. So it definitely lived on. It was definitely a big part of Late Night with Conan O'Brien prior to the the internet really starting up. But so how did that feel? I mean, you said you just watched it again this morning. How did it feel watching it? It was so much fun to watch it. I remembered it as being great fun. And I remembered, you know, normally after talk show appearance, it's kind of like, ah, was it okay? I don't know. It was fine. You know what I mean? But I remember just having so much fun because I'd just been out there laughing. Right. And then people would say, was that okay for you? Was that okay? And I thought, (laughs) right. to me watching it, I thought I just looked like someone who was having a wonderful time. He was making me laugh so hard. Conan was lovely. Yeah. I, I, I authentically was having a great time. I mean, so I thought, so interesting that people say, and Conan, of course, is like, are you okay? Are you okay? I was like, I, did you not see me? I was laughing so hard. I was crying. I couldn't even breathe. I just thought there's, and I watched it afterwards. And also I've seen right. him over the years. I ran into him and he'll check on uh-huh. maybe a show had just seen, been on. But I watched it and I thought, you know, I was there with Andy and Norm and Conan. And I thought, what a heavenly place to sit. Like, <laughs> if someone said you get to have dinner with those three guys, you'd say, are you kidding? And you would expect to just sit there and laugh. You wouldn't expect to have deep conversations. You wouldn't expect to get a word in edgewise, but it would be delightful to just sit and laugh. And that's how it felt for me. And that's exactly what happened. That's yeah. Exactly yeah. What well, I happened. think that that's what people are responding to is you weren't able to get a word in. It was just... No, he... Norm was a steamroller and he was... Yeah. The second there was a pause, I think after a while... Both, it seemed like you and Conan were kind of like, he's coming back in in (laughs) 3.2 seconds and go. And he just kept interrupting. Had you met him prior to that taping that night? I don't think so. Right. I almost think in a way it was like, I almost felt like he was trying to flirt with you on camera by, Mm. is that a crazy thought? Just that he was... I think he was trying to impress you. Yeah, like you. it was his mating ritual. <laughs> well, I yeah. hadn't remembered until I watched it again. They said in the beginning they had a crush on me from the Tom Snyder show, which mm-hmm. is also uh-huh. hilarious. So it started off on this lovely note. I mean, you can't, right. <laughs> it's not going to get right. much better than that. He suckered you in with that, and then it was like... You know, I don't mind being teased. That's how my family communicates. Right. You know, that's how my I have a group of girlfriends I've been friends with for 30 years. To me... Like a generous, loving tease. Now, if he was saying something mean about me, it would have felt differently, but he wasn't. No, not at all. It was just funny and light. Well, you were a guest on Late Night six times. 
So this was somewhere in the middle there, which made me happy, too, because I was like, okay, at least you had had some other normal appearances on the show as well. (laughs) (laughs) Where you got to talk. Where you were allowed to talk. talk. Yes. To be interviewed. (laughs) It wouldn't have bothered me, though, because... Like I said, you know talk shows. It's this very strange right. thing where you have to talk to a pre-interviewer and you have these set stories and the host sets you up. And and right. Conan's so good at this because even though it's set up, you still feel like you're having a conversation. Like there's room to play. He's not going mm-hmm. in this story. So you end up going through 10 stories in one talk show appearance. You have nothing left for the next 10 years. Right, you can't talk right, to anybody right. for 10 yeah. more years. He lets it go and he'll actually have a conversation. So he's great at that. So I went in pretty relaxed. And I think right. – you know, even I was wearing my actual clothes. Like, I think that's what I wore that day. It was before you had to get a stylist. Now, this was pre-stylist. You could actually wear. Oh. And I liked it because I wore something that I would actually wear that represented me, mm-hmm. right? As opposed to the character I was playing. Yeah. So when Norm started going, it just felt like a relief to me. It was like, oh, great. Especially when we were talking about chairman of the board. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that was not, say, a project of great pride for me. And I had to promote it. And I think I was there to promote it. But Uh Conan started with Melrose Place because he probably thought that was more interesting and then went into chairman of the board. And I was so happy when Norm took it and ran with it because I didn't know what to say. Like It's one of those things it read as funny. I had high hopes for it. I did it. The experience wasn't great. And I thought, oh, this is not going to be what I'd hope. Like you thought you never know. This could be amazing. I'm sure that happens a lot. Where it's just, there's so many levels at which things can go wrong. And, you know, even in the editing. Yes. And look, granted, you know, you're doing Carrot Top's first movie. You might say, you might have had an idea. But, you know, you also (laughs) don't know. Like, (laughs) Courtney Cox did The Pet Detective. And, you know, that was with a relatively unknown Jim Carrey. And that turned out amazingly. So I thought, you never know. But I should have thought... That probably doesn't happen twice in a row. You probably... (laughs) In the same year. But yeah. I really wanted to do comedy after Marrow's Place because Allison mm-hmm. was so just eternally right. brutalized and pained. Yeah. And what didn't right. happen to Allison, right? Yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very soapy. Yeah. Oh, my word. It, it's like Jesse's saying, it is so hard to make a good movie because there's so many things that can go wrong. And so many cooks. So many ways for something not to end up being fantastic. Yeah, I mean, even brilliant people can make bad movies. Yes. You, know, you go to a movie with your favorite comic actor and you don't laugh. You think, how could that possibly happen? Right, yeah. right, right. Probably also detached from it because it's probably something you finished filming like a year earlier. So you were probably were like, oh, my God. I, Oh, right. I did that movie. I, I've got to talk about it now. I, I forgot I did it. Yes, I think I kind of hoped it would kind of fade away. And then they said, you have this in your contract. You have to go promote it. So I went uh, on Conan, who's a very safe place for me. And like I said, I, he's, he's my right. He was my favorite host. I felt the most comfortable there. And it was one in the morning, so there was no pressure. It was <laughs> one true. in the morning. Well, the whole show felt, you know him. He's so lovely as a person and he's so irreverent. And I thought, well, I can just go in here and have a nice time at least. And then I'll right. be done. I'll do my, my duty. And then... Um, Norm started, and it was just a gift. It was just great. You do it. You you do it. Rock on. And I got to right. just sit there and laugh. I was beside myself. I was so happy. That's great. And he did really get word out on the movie. In I know. I was going to say it was probably the best promotion <laughs> that the movie got. Well, it wasn't really. It wasn't great promotion. But you know, the movie wasn't going to sink or swim based on promotion right. or not. It was right. just. It was going to sink. Is of the course. truth of what was going to happen. 
And um, but I got to have a really fun talk show appearance. And it happened once before. I did yeah. the Tonight Show, uh-huh. and I was talking about uh, my sister's wedding, and I did a bit about my dad telling a joke as we were walking down the aisle and Don Rickles was there and Don Rickles started riffing on my dad being insane. And why was he at the <laughs> oh, wedding? Wow. Shouldn't he have been in a home? And he just went <laughs> off on my dad and people said, was your dad upset? I was like, was my dad upset? It was oh my a God. highlight That's... of his life. He never yeah, he stopped talking about it. Don Rickles teased him. <laughs> he was beside himself. So we both got to be teased by comedians we really admire. That's great. Oh, that's Did your great. dad start bringing that story up every time you were out with people? Like, hey, uh, you guys like Don Rickles? You no, know, Don Rickles. <laughs> oh, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> that is quite an honor. Uh, my dad was very funny in his own right. So I'm sure he was busy telling jokes. Maybe he worked that in every once right. in a while. Yeah. Uh, Don Rickles was on Late Night uh, early on, and it was a similar thing where all the writers – Everyone piled into his dressing room. Everyone just wanted to meet him. And he just started insulting all the right like, you know, he just yeah. knew what everyone wanted. So it's right. like, oh, you're you're the you're the brains behind this show. You know. <laughs> just started re- and everyone was just like, Oh my God, oh my God, he's making fun yeah. of me. It was a dream come true for everyone. Yes, it is. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah. So were you already a fan of Norm's or were you did you were you aware of Norm at all? I was a fan. I'm okay. I'm a comedy nerd. I always have been. So oh, I was uh-huh. a big fan oh, cool. going in. So it was fun yeah. to just be there and sit next to him and Yeah. Thrilled to have him take over my interview. Get the norm treatment. Yeah. That was the tail end of him hosting uh weekend update. Because I think he left the show later, SNL later that year. So it timed out nicely. And yeah, he was Riding that wave of, you know, being the Weekend Update host, which was... Uh-huh. Where he was brilliant, obviously. Great. So a lot of times, I think he'd be like a last minute booking sometimes because he'd be in the building. And it's just like that Conan was mentioning this, that, you know, if someone dropped out or something, oh, you can get Norm down, which is like, a you know, usually a step up sometimes, you know, wow, you have Norm coming in. And, and a lot of times Conan had no idea what he was going to say or do, which... Yeah. Made it all exciting. <laughs> yeah, and he could trust him, right? He knew it was going to be funny. Right. He knew it was going to be interesting. I watched because I went down that rabbit hole after I watched the clip and I watched him tell the moth joke. Right. And, you know, it's interesting. It reminded me, my dad told jokes that way. He was just so inherently funny Yeah, that a two-minute joke takes 10 minutes. The punchline is the least right. of it. Uh-huh. You're going on the journey. And that's the same right. thing with Norm. It's like, I don't care how long this takes. No. Because it's just fun watching him tell a story. I hadn't seen the moth joke since it aired, and I had no memory of it. And he's so delightful doing it. You just Yeah. And you almost forget that it was a joke even to begin with. It's like, oh, I don't even remember what the premise was anymore. (laughs) Yeah. He's such like a disruptor. Like the night of the moth joke show, I remember I was walking all Like act one, we do all the comedy stuff. And then I have to go off stage and and we'd go edit, you know, pull it up or tighten it or whatever. I go back to the edit room and I left the uh, studio and I'm walking in a hallway and Norm's being brought the other direction to be the guest. And I, I know him only to say hello, like in a very superficial showbiz way, not at <laughs> all. And I had my arm in a sling because I broke my arm and he, he's like, hey, it was like an excuse for him to just stop and start talking to me. And he just started going, yeah, you know, my uncle broke his arm and oh boy, let me. And he started going into this long story and I'm like, why is he doing this? And then I realized 
like the stage manager and the segment producer, all these people were around him and they were trying to hustle him out to, <laughs> you know, the commercial break was ending. And I swear, I was thinking like, he's just doing this to bust their balls. Cause <laughs> yes. he just, he just went on a monologue for like two minutes and they're kind of like looking at their watches and freaking yeah. out. And, and I was like, I think he just loves, oh, he's disrupting. Pushing people's things. buttons. Yeah. 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 Well, also, don't you think, I feel like he works on a different time frame than the rest of us. Yes. Right? Like, that's one of the great things. His timing is so funny. And when you said, mm-hmm. you know, in the interview with me and Conan and him, he was like, there'd be a pause. And then there'd be like, he would come in at just the end of the pause. Like, his timing yes. was so extraordinary that you never knew when you were talking to him when the break was going to be, when the punchline was going to be. And you don't care. You just kind of, and he did, you know, I saw him on comedians in cars getting coffee. Yeah. Right. I felt the same way. I thought, oh, he's just having a lovely time. He's just yes. in the moment, in his own world, his own time, having mm-hmm. a wonderful time. He doesn't seem nervous. He doesn't seem like he has to perform. Right. Yeah. That's a really good point. He he would. He'd take over and change the timing of whatever was going on and, and, and kind of turn it in, you're right, to norm time. Norm time. Yes. And you had to, you were literally kind of had to just be in his thrall and go along for the ride. And he would always just, you know, stick the landing. It was always great. Because he was so interesting. Like it wasn't, you don't feel, I didn't feel like I was fighting for stage time. It was like he was talking and everything stopped and we all just stopped and looked at him until he was done because <laughs> right, it right. was the most interesting thing in the room. Yeah. Right? I mean, I wasn't, I mean, luckily I didn't think, he's taking my time, I need to compete. Didn't even occur to me. I just thought, oh my God, Norm McDonald is talking. Right. This is amazing. And I don't remember any other example on Late Night where he would just kind of take over like that for during someone else's interview. It was just... Yeah, I wonder if he felt bad after that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think so. I think it began, but it began, like as I was saying, when they saw the shot, and it had all of us in it. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Andy, Norm, me, and Conan. Yep. So it was like we we're all there together, hanging. Almost like right. we were a panel, and we were all yeah there together. Well, and I love you can really see that Conan doesn't know what's coming. I mean, and <laughs> I, I know Conan loves that too when things get derailed, and he's like, "All right, we're all." We're throwing the note cards out and now we're just following right. this this new thread. But yeah, you can really see it, the joy that he's like, uh, what's what's about to come out and how am I going to react to that? <laughs> well, and I think the reason that chairman of the board final joke is so <laughs> memorable is because Conan tees it up. Like, yeah. you know, um, he, go, he goes, what's the name of the movie? And you're like, chairman of the board. And then he just turns to him and goes, goes, do something with that, you freak. Like, that is... <laughs> Putting all this pressure on Norm and setting up whatever comes next. And then he just go, he just comes up with that line. I bet it's spelled B-O-R-E-D. Yeah. And that wow is just like, wow, okay. Yeah, and I remember that as coming in the beginning. I remembered that as being his run. So when I went back and watched, it, I was surprised that was the end. There was so much other stuff. Yeah. Right. It was just like, it was just like. You're having dinner with somebody, and then somebody at the next table keeps talking to you guys. <laughs> like yeah, there's a restaurant near my house. Like, what are you? What is happening? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay. I mean, I guess you're a part of it.
I felt like a lottery winner just to get <laughs> to be there because often, and it's true too on talk shows. Sometimes you're sitting with people you really admire, right? But there's this window of you and the host, and you're talking, and these people right. don't really participate. So I loved it. I mean, I think it would be a great way. I think do that more. It was so much fun to all be in it together. Just talking about it, there's so many weird elements to a late night talk show. Like you're speaking to a host, but there's someone else sitting next to you who maybe you admire. And then it's like, do I talk to them or do I just talk to, and then you have an audience, like someone's added a, an audience right. to this weird yeah. formula. Yeah. Then you got to worry about, oh, are they laughing or are they listening? And I mean, I guess probably the best thing to do is try to tune out the audience. Like, what, what do you do in that situation? Are you even aware of the audience or just try to keep it between you and the host or what's going through your mind? I, no, I have no, no idea. I mean, I think aware of the audience because they're the the third person if there's two right. of you. Now, there were four of us, so they were the fifth person. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Nice. Yeah. And they were having fun, and I was having fun. I think right. you know, we were all just having a great time. Yeah. And I think that's rare. You can have a nice time where you can think, oh, I did a good job, but there's a very different mm -hmm. thing between walking off a talk show and thinking, I hit all my beats, they're a good job, and right. I genuinely have fun. I'm sweating from laughing so hard. I can't. Right. Like, I just had that great... You know that feeling after you've gone out with your friends and you're laughing so hard you're kind of drained? Yes. That, that's how I felt Dehydrated. walking yeah. off stage. And then Conan goes, are you okay? And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> like, I'm I'm beside myself. It was so much fun. Yeah. Well, that's you funny. You should have added a writer for any talk shows you did after that, that Norm had Norm to be. Norm had to come. Yeah. Out <laughs> there. If you were great. promoing something you didn't oh. love. Well, I, mean, I, yeah, I was wondering that because you came on uh, I mean, you came on many times after this appearance, too. Were you then like, oh, yeah, I hope something goes off the rails or is this just going to be a straight interview and I'm going to have to, you know, hit all my story beats? Well, like I said, it was always fun to be interviewed by Conan. Yeah. It was always fun. I always felt relaxed because I knew that he would be funny and charming and it would be light and I wouldn't feel put on the spot. Right. I always felt like yeah. he had he had it and we were going to have a nice time. You felt like you were in capable hands. Yeah, I felt like I was in capable hands. And, you know, in something like that, I've, you know, in that time in my life, I did so many interviews. And for the most part, they're fairly dry. You make a joke, you hit your beats. But right. this was so the exception, you would never think this is going to happen again. I mean, literally, it's like yeah. winning the lottery. And then the next day, I wake up I'm going, I guess I won the lottery today. You're not going to win the lottery. <laughs> right, you right. just have to. <laughs> remember that. And then as I got older and I would, it was comedy writers. Like when I worked on comedy shows, they come out and say, oh, we were watching that clip, mm. the Norm Macdonald clip. And I thought, well, that's weird. That's when I started getting a sense that it was having a life of its own. Oh, cool. Right. People would mention it to you. And comedy writers, which I loved. Ah, I was so flattered yeah. by that. I thought, well, yeah. I love that I've done something that you guys think is interesting. Or I'm right. not because I said I was a part of something because obviously Norm is the star of the clip. So that was just great to have something like that and to go, well, so also when it's something you really enjoy and then it has a second life, that feels extra good because then you get to relive a good memory again and again. Yeah. And, and maybe there's, you get a residual check. <laughs> I wonder, you know, so right? not, sh shockingly, you don't get paid a lot for talk shows. So I think you get no, paid, no. what, That's true. like $300. So there's yes. probably yeah, it's a like three sad cents. minimum. Yeah. I know. Yeah. You mentioned something that we don't touch upon a lot, which I don't think a lot of people know about, which is when you're going to be in a talk show, you have to do a whole pre-interview. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes it could be like a one hour phone call or something where they're, 
you and this segment producer trying to find things to talk, you know, like stories. Mining you for yeah. for punchlines. <laughs> yeah, and they're good or bad. I mean, the good the good segment producers will say, "Hey, how are you? What's going? Done some, what's going on with your dog? What's going on with your son?" Right. And they'll ask you. It'll be a fun conversation, mm-hmm. right? And then the bad ones go, "What do you got for me?" Yeah. You no. Know? <laughs> no, that's not funny. No. So by the time you get oh, good stories. a broken oh, shell and you crawl out oh. to the talk show going, I've got nothing of interest because I've just been oh, doing no. no. So there's a huge terrible. difference. It's so well also it's just not smart because yeah. no. you want to walk out confident and feel like what you have yeah. to bring is gonna be funny, especially that that was a time in my life when I was doing a lot of talk shows. So Right. Yeah. And you had to have different stories for each one. You have to have different stories. Yeah. So you're constantly mining your life to say, this Ugh. is funny. Is this talk show worthy? Mm-hmm. Like, is right, this talk right. Show worthy? Can people relate to this? <laughs> is this anything? Right. Yeah. Were those examples of people going, no, 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 like right before you'd go, like you were back in your dressing room? No, you do the you do the pre-interview usually a day right. or two before. Okay. But you're on the phone and the good ones, like yeah. I said, make you feel, they go, oh my God, that's what, make you feel right. charming and interesting. And it gets you telling more stories. Right. The bad ones or the harsh ones oh. just like say, no, not good, no, not good, no, not good. And Ooh. so then you walk out feeling just oh. completely brutalized yeah. and uninteresting. I'm really boring. Yeah. And, and <laughs> probably that person, <laughs> that person from the phone is probably standing out in the studio with their arms <laughs> folded. You're just like, oh my God. Well, but also, I have to they please want- this parent. But they want their segment to go well. So it was always so baffling sure. to me. And yeah, I thought, maybe you've never seen, like, you go watch someone else do one of these because right, right. you're going to have a much happier, more confident talk show guest if they feel like they were funny in the pre-interview. Absolutely. Yeah, you're like their corner man, you know, and it's like you want to just build them up and and have it all be positive. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just bad parenting to say, you're not interesting, you'll fail. Right. It's yeah. just, you know, like read any That's parenting right. book. I hope none of them have children. No, no. Why are their children so insecure? No. <laughs> no, not interesting. No, not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're going to skip dinner tonight. Just go to your room. Yeah. <laughs> You've you got have nothing, nothing for me today. You have nothing for Eat in your room. Talk to your wall. Exactly. That's all you deserve. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try this again tomorrow, and hopefully uh, you'll step up. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great to hear the sort of backstory of what happens before an interview, because I think a lot of people also assume that that's just, you know, that you're just talking to the host. It's all ad-libbed. That it's all off the cuff, that you're improvising everything. But there is planning that goes into it. Some planning. Yeah. I mean, it it is improvised, but you kind of know. uh, Yeah, a lot of planning. Like the daytime talk shows are much more casual. Yeah. Nighttime talk shows um, are more stressful. Like I think if you have a host like Conan, you can be a little more loose because he's going to make something out of whatever you give him, right? Right. He's going to create something funny out of it. The Tonight Show was very intense. Like you had your stories and it would go through them, boom, 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 boom. And that's very nerve wracking because as you're going through them, you think, am I out of stories? Am I out of I came with five. I thought that would be for, I have, you know, four talk shows worth. Now we're going through, we've gone through all my stories in my two minute segment. I've got nothing again. Right. I've got nothing. Yeah. Where's Don Rickles? Don! Interrupt. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Wait, Courtney, I think we can hear your bulldog snoring. Oh, Is that can you hear happening? Her snoring? Oh, I can- <laughs> She's a pug. She's a new addition. Does she need a sleep apnea? Oh, a pug. That's right. Yeah. I just adopted Georgie from a wonderful organization called the Pug Queen. They adopt uh, pugs from all over the world. She came from China. And she's clearly exhausted from the trip. 
Wow. And it's amazing that she works as hard as she does, and it's just pugs. But that's how many dogs need to be rescued in the world that she wow. focuses on one. Wow. Like a snoring husband, if I put her on her st- – the opposite. If I put her on her stomach, she doesn't snore. So she must have leaned a little bit. <laughs> when she's had to too much side. to drink. Yeah, exactly. Do they make breathe rights for, for pugs? <laughs> or sleep apnea or get machine. get a sleep apnea machine, right. <laughs> so cute. Are you – are really you is, like, are you a pug person? Is that your – Signature dog. I'm a dog person. I'm obsessed with dogs. My last dog I rescued before her, I looked up pug. And a lot of the pugs that are available for rescue are really, really old. They're missing eyes and like really, really bad shape. So I found this (laughs) dog that came up under pug. He's not a pug. He's like some sort of chihuahua mix. But I I don't (laughs) like crazy about him. (laughs) And then somebody told me about the pug queen. And I found out I could adopt a younger pug with a lot of years left in her so i did that so i'm excited that's great yeah she's we think she's four or five. Oh wow but she's hilarious yeah no pugs are endlessly entertaining they my only are. complaint about pugs oftentimes the tail doesn't cover their anus which i have an issue <laughs> with but that's just me that's true and that's true and it's and it's dark black against their light fur yes mm. yes thank you yes it, if you're looking for an invisible anus pug is not your dog no, that is not no. your no not for you right labs are nice they usually their tails kind of go down over it but if that's yes. your goal yeah. if you can train the tail to droop over then i'm uh, totally on board or you could make a little a little pair of underwear for it Oh, that's yeah, nice. Little briefs. Yeah. Yeah. Or a drape or something something appropriate. <laughs> An anal drape. A skirt because she's such a pretty lady. <laughs> that's all I'm asking. Well, one of the things I noticed upon rewatching your uh your clip with Norm was that you're you get to talk a little bit about the season finale of Melrose Place and your character, Allison, who was really kind of like run through the ringer it seemed like <laughs> and i didn't i was wondering if there was anything you didn't get to say that you know cuz you you got steamrolled but it really was just kind of getting to the point of it's you said it's too much on the show um, well, I used to have, way back when, I had a run of what she'd been through. My mom used to call her yeah. Stella Dallas, who I guess is a a soap opera star from the 50s, and maybe even a radio soap opera star to whom everything oh. happened. And I had a speech once. It was a Christmas episode, and I was talking to Grant Show, Jake, and I was crying and listing what had happened to myself that year. And it was <laughs> insane because I'd been on drugs and I was drunk and I hit a kid when I was drunk and then my best friend (laughs) in a custody battle and I showed up high at the custody battle and she lost her kid and then I remembered I was molested and I confronted my molester at my family barbecue and then Billy was going to be married. That's where you do it. It just... (laughs) to the barbecue. Oh, and then... And then the apartment building blew up and they tried to get me out, but I was too drunk, so I didn't want to get out. And so then <laughs> wow. they got me out, but the, the explosion had made me blind. Oh and then everyone God. was really nice to me. So that when I got my sight back, I pretended I was still blind to make everybody still be nice to me. <laughs> and then everybody found out I was pretending to be blind, that I wasn't really blind. <laughs> Just like, this is all one episode. Yes. And then... We did a reunion to the 25th anniversary. So six of us went back to New York and did mm-hmm. uh, one of the morning talk shows. And they did this uh-huh. game where they were playing scenes and we were trying to remember what the scenes were. There was a scene where Doug, Savant, who played Matt and I, had been kidnapped. 
Like all this, we didn't. Like we were also we were kidnapped. Like you didn't even remember that. Yeah, it's None all a it, blur. We couldn't remember any right. of it because we did thirty three episodes a year, which is an obscene amount. What thirty three? Thirty three episodes a wow. year. We did for twice a year for six weeks. We shot two episodes at once, and the actors oh would run back and forth. They'd never God. done that before. It was. We had no idea what was happening. We were just like, just oh. say the lines as written. The, the audience will fill yeah. in the emotions. Oh. We have no idea what's happening. <laughs> wow. Um, and they just kept raising the stakes. You know, it had yeah. to get higher and yeah. higher. So right, of just, course. Oh, my God. You're just trying to play. Trying to it's play like being oh. addicted to heroin. You got to keep. We need right. to get that high. They need the dose. I know. Well, and my character was an alcoholic and a drug addict. So I was right. also balancing that with everything. That oh, was my gosh. Oh. I can see why you'd want to do comedy after that. Yes. Wow. I mean, it sounds like it almost veered it into almost comedy in a way. <laughs> well, it was comedy, and we had a lot of fun. Like, we yeah. did have a lot right. of fun because we understood the absurdity of it, but you can't play it. Right. You have to play for it For the straight. humor, or you, it's an yeah. insult to the audience, right? So you're yes, playing of it, course. even though you know that, you know, confronting your molester at the family picnic is wrong in every way and yeah. not mm-hmm. realistic and, you know. Mm-hmm. You do have because you want to be respectful to people who've had that experience, right? right. So you, yeah. you can't of you can't riff on oh what a ridiculous way to do this because you try to play the truth. <laughs> What's right. Yeah, right. Well, it's it's such a compliment to you as an actress, as an actor, that they had your character go That's through true. all these crazy experiences. Yeah, they're like it, she can it, pull it's this a off. testament to your to your. <laughs> range that you yeah. can do all that it's it's pretty impressive well that, that's kind of say you know it's up to debate how well i'll debate you we did it but we all had to go <laughs> we all had to go through right absolutely insane situations i mean <laughs> we were all just trying to keep up someone had to be the molester <laughs> Exactly. Do you feel like that helped later when you're going out for roles? You're like, okay, this is, I got right. this. I, I've already been a burn victim. I could, yeah. You name it, I could do it. I've run kids over drunk. I've run kids over sober. I've run kids over high. Well, you know, that's a good point. You do get to do a lot, right? Like on a sitcom, you're sort of doing, you're being funny, which is my favorite thing to do. So, you know, mm. I love to do it, but on Melrose Place, you get to try every single emotional arc. Yeah. Probably in the same right. episode. You get to right. go through all of them. And also kiss every boy they bring onto the set. So that was kind of ah. nice. It's oh. a nice way who, to spend your 20s. Who is the best kisser? <gasps> um, oh, I can't. I can't tell you. There was, oh, you there can't? There were many. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, Andrew Shue, I actually dated him so mm. I can say that and not offend okay. him. Okay, right. Lovely guy, great kisser. Oh, all right, that's a safe answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering, Courtney, what are your favorite types of roles to play? Because you obviously had a wide range from drama to comedy, sitcom, rom coms, mysteries. Yeah, I like comedy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sitcom is my favorite, favorite, favorite. I just honestly, you know, I just I like to go to work with funny people, and on a sitcom. Right. First of all, the schedule of sitcoms, you know, multi-camera sitcoms is so light that everybody there is happy, you know, top to bottom, the entire crew. Everybody can also see their families. They're living balanced lives. That's important. Um, I love it. And I like that because my life is very important to me. You know, I'm not someone who's ever said I'd rather be working. 
I enjoy working, but I really, I love my dogs. I'm crazy about my kid. I love my friends. Yeah. Um, does you have other interests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so so I love You said your work. dogs before your kid. I just want to point when that out. When I have... <laughs> <laughs> he would not be surprised. He's a teenager now, so he's likely he to have other some... interests. As long as I'm not asking him something, he's thrilled. Go talk yeah. to your Number dog. Right. <laughs> Just leave me alone. He's very busy. Yeah, he's happy to have distractions. He's happy to have mommy distracted. Right. Yeah. I, you know, when he start, when he turned like 12, 13, and all of a sudden it wasn't come play Legos with me, it was... Stay out of my um, room. He wanted to be with his friends, and that's when I went back to college because I realized... Oh, I don't want him to start saying to his friends, we have to play with my mom. She has nothing right. else to do. Right. So I had to really, because I loved, I loved playing shoots and ladders. I loved playing Legos. Sure. I loved all the stuff. And then I realized, oh, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the person he wants to hang out with anymore. Right. So I had to get really busy. So I adopted two dogs and I went back to school and. Oh, that's great. He's yeah. very happy because he's very busy with his own life. What did you study when you went back to school? I'm in school now. Oh, that's yeah. great. Um, yeah, I'm getting my undergrads. I started working when I was 17 oh, that's great. Right out of high school, so I never uh-huh. did. So I'm going to uh-huh. – uh, University of Pennsylvania has an online school right. called Penn LPS Online. So my degree is called Creative Studies, which is really writing uh-huh. English. And then I had to take a math class. I had to take a professional <laughs> They always throw that class. in there. Right, right. <laughs> but I got an A plus in my math class. Congratulations. Oh my of course, it was called Math is All Around Us. It's like math for creative people. And my son said, well, it wasn't math. And I was like, well, say what you will. <laughs> uh, just go hang out with your friends and leave mother alone. It was math enough. And you're going to be an Ivy League graduate. Oh my God, I'm going to be an Ivy League graduate. Yes. Yeah. That's well, that's fantastic. so cool. I, that's really, I'm always really inspired by people who, it's intimidating when you're going to be older than, you know, your classmates. But that's it's cool for people to see that that you can have a second act like you can always have, you know, another aspect of your life. And there's no limit to when that can happen. Mm -hmm. Well, and because of how this is designed, there are a lot of people my age. Oh, and there's a lot of the the um, staff, the staff can take them free. So I have a lot of professors in my classes, which is so much fun. And because of the pandemic, people started using Zoom. So it used right. to be all online, but now we really have classes where we get to talk to each other and see each other. And, you know, because of where I am in my life and my kid is older, I've got so much time. So I'm the dork who's getting my assignments in at 6 a.m. a day early. Right. And other people are like, well, I've got to go to work. And I've got, I'm like, oh, really? After I do this, I'm going to walk the dogs. And then maybe I'll do more. Uh-uh. And I'm doing my life. <laughs> and I get to, I'm just having, it's what I'm doing. So I'm having so much fun with it. It's nice to not have to. No, they keep saying, well, what do you want to do? What are you going to use your degree for? Right. I'm like, to have? Like, I'm just here yeah. for the thrill of it. Well, you like learning, it sounds like. I mean, that's yeah. I get to nice. be here to enjoy the learning. It's, you know, it's young because we'll have young people in the classes. I was taking a screenwriting class. It was so much fun. And the guy was so great. We were learning so much. And this one young guy, what about grading? What about grading? What about grading? And I thought, I feel so lucky that... I don't, that, that's not where my that brain is. Matter. I get yeah. to right. just go, oh, that's amazing. That's thrilling. That's exciting. I can't wait to learn. I mean, you did because, get an A plus anyway, but. Right. So I don't have to do anything else. <laughs> I can die today and that will be taped to my coffin. Right. A plus in math. Yes. N- no, but I think that's a really, because when you're, when you are 20, you're not doing, I mean, you're so th- you're forward thinking that you're. 
Well, yeah. yes, and I was so drunk, so I wouldn't have remembered anything. <laughs> like, it was, <laughs> you know what I mean? I wouldn't have remembered anything. So this is a great time for me to do it. Yeah. Right. So when you went into acting when you were 17, part of your brain, I'm thinking, was like, someday I want to, maybe someday down the road, circle back and go to college. Well, I was packing to go to Allegheny College. Okay. And I got a call from my agent asking me to audition for something. So I got cast in Lucas in this freak open call audition in San Francisco. Lucas was a movie. Lucas was a movie. David Seltzer, to whom I owe literally my entire career, wrote and directed Lucas. Yeah. And so then I got an agent out of that. My high school acting teacher's wife happened. It was all felt so... Wow, so you did um, a movie before you even had an agent. That's so cool. Well, so, no, I got an agent through that because my high school acting teacher's wife was a working actor. Wow. So I got her agent, who's my agent to this day. Oh, wow. That's great. And they called and said, you want to have done an audition for a movie for Kick? So I did, and I got it. So I thought I'll put off college for a year and a year and a year. And then I signed up to go again when I was 21. Yeah. But I'd already said yes to do the very intellectual beach volleyball movie, Side Out. (laughs) So I traded college (laughs) for Side Out, which, you know, same thing, right? Same thing. The prequel to chairman (laughs) of the board. (laughs) Exactly. So now I, now, then I, you know, worked for a long time, had a kid. My kid started closing his playroom door and I went online Mm. and I looked and all of a sudden, so many great schools have online options. You know, you could go right now and take a class at Harvard, take a class at Yale. Yeah. It's really extraordinary. That's so cool. That is great. No, my wife went in when she turned 50, went back. We moved to LA and she was like, uh, the kids were older. And she, she went to online partial residency school to get an MFA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great experience. So. Great. Well, Courtney, I have one more question for you, which is... Okay. And then I have 20. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then I have one more after that. Um, Have you watched Chairman of the Board since it came out? (laughs) I don't know that I watched it when it came out. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it could become a cult classic. Maybe some cult movies need a little more time. Another 10 years. (laughs) We'll circle back to it. I know. Yeah. I, I mean, all of this is making me want to watch it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, please do. And if you make it through, you win a prize. It feels like a challenge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I dare you. I, I double dare you to go okay. watch it. Okay. I'm gonna, all right. Jesse and I will watch it. Challenge accepted. We yeah. should watch it before this episode airs. We will do that, and then we can <gasps> comment should. on it. Mm-hmm. We'll rate it. We'll give it a rating. But do you do you want to hear the rating, Courtney? Be or not? kind. Let okay. me have some points for being a good person. I want the good person rating. I don't want the objective rating. We'll be very kind. I want the good person with the adorable dog rating. Okay. I'm sure you're great in it. So I'm not worried about I, you. Yeah, it's, we're not worried about you. I was 20. When was I when I left Mel? I was like 27. And I mm-hmm. was the president of a multinational corporation. So let's just sit with that in for a minute. In the movie. I have no problem with that. Because when you think of <laughs> yeah, 20-year-old Courtney Thornton Smith, you think president of a multinational corporation. Yeah, I remember Julia Roberts in My Best Friend's Wedding is 27, and she's got this pact. Like, if we're not married by the time we're 27, we're just going to marry this random guy I went to college with. You know, it's it, 27 was like when movies thought we were supposed to be adults, <laughs> fully formed adults. <laughs> 
I know. It seems so young now. It's like 27. Yeah. What? Aren't you still in I high know. school? You're still on your parents' insurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You just got off of it. So yeah. you, everything is fraught. Yeah, we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but you're also starred in a series of mystery movies called The Emma Fielding Mysteries. Curious what that was like. That seems like it would be a whole different experience where you played a detective. That was really fun. Uh, yeah. I got to work with James Tupper, who I really enjoy. And uh-huh. it was a fun, they're really fun little romps. You know, I wasn't really a detective. I was an archaeologist. Oh, right. what a dream. Who was also a detective. <laughs> oh, my so, God. That was my childhood dream. <laughs> was it really? <laughs> yes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so you were not, so you're kind of Indiana Jonesy-ish. Yeah. We had some things that were sort of Indiana Jonesy. It right. was fun. It was a fun little yeah. lark to do. You know, they do a lot of those and they really, they've got it down. Right. And yeah. It's nice. And you shoot in Canada where everybody is so nice, but you're oh. cold the whole time. So it's the balance. <laughs> no, you said they have it locked down up there. And that reminds me of, I know someone who worked on a show called uh, Cosby Murder Mysteries. Yes. Uh, there was this guy named Bill Cosby, and he played a detective on the show. <laughs> okay. And he said that, you know, they'd spend all this time writing an intricate murder mystery script where you have to stick to the script. You know, to, you're going from point A to, I don't know, F, where the killer's caught. And they said that, like, they'd be out on the set and a helicopter would land, and Bill Cosby would come out and to do shoot some scenes. He'd shoot the scenes and ad lib all this stuff. And they'd be like, that was great, but you know, you got to find the knife in the weeds or we're not going to find out who the killer is. And he'd just be like, you've got it. No. You know what? I trust you guys. You'll figure something else out. Yes. And he'd get back in the helicopter and take off. And they were like, what the fuck? And they'd have oh, to hilarious. like, they'd have to rewrite the whole script where someone else was like, hey, uh, but what's that over there in the week? Oh, it's a knife. Just. Wow. I, I had never thought about that, you know, with a mystery. I guess it has does have to be a tightly constructed. Well, those old ones, because that vessel. was when they were doing Columbo. Right. You know how intricately plotted those were? Those are right. brilliant yeah. movies. Like right. still watching it. Those were so yeah. well done. Yeah. Like features. They were like features. And they did, I think, yeah. four year at Macmillan and Wife. Right. I'm going to go start. I'm going to go rewatch those. Oh, yes. fun. They were so well done. That TV movies were so well done then. Yeah. They, yeah. In the 70s, there were a ton, ton of them. And yeah. Except for Killdozer. Killdozer, I remember as a kid. <laughs> what was, it was Killdozer? A, it was a bulldozer on an island. <laughs> that would kill people? Well, it hit, it hit a glowing rock <laughs> that had come from outer space. And then the bulldozer came to life and started killing this everyone in this construction crew on an island oh my and God. it was i was like a 10 years old and i'm like uh i think everyone could maybe outrun the bulldozer <laughs> that's going at three miles an hour no it would like come out from behind bushes like uh, someone would be you know eating and it's like ah <laughs> it's very quiet. Yes. I don't know how they finally defeated Bulldozer. I Maybe love they that walked, you remember that. 
Maybe they walked faster than two miles an hour <laughs> to escape bull- yeah. kill Do you think that was brought out to compete with Knight Rider, which was my favorite show? Oh, oh I don't probably. know. I don't know. Or did it inspire Knight Rider? Mm. Huh. I don't know. We have well, a lot of homework to do. Did the bulldozer have watch... a British accent? That's the real question. Ah, <laughs> I don't think it... That would have been great if it talked. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. Sounds like it's time for a reboot. It's so time for a Courtney reboot. Thorne it's Smith. so time for a reboot. <laughs> so Jesse and I have a lot of homework. We have to watch okay. Chairman of the Board, Killdozer, Columbo. The second one. And I'm going to be the hard-boiled head of the construction site because I think yeah. that's the next step after running yes. a multinational corporation and chairman mm-hmm. of the board. Of course. Yeah. You want yeah, to build I'll on Use that. like a toothpick or something to add that illusion <laughs> to make me look tough. So I'm a yeah. prop actor. It's just part of who I am. <laughs> I can't wear a hard hat because the hair. Oh, right, right. So oh, right, of course. I'll, I'll constantly be taking it off, like on Charlie's Angels, when they were <laughs> taking off hair. the helmets all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whoa, you're really in charge. <laughs> got to find that bulldozer. <laughs> oh, yeah, now that you're taking classes, uh, do you feel like you want to write something for yourself? Or is has that ever been I do write. I to? did. I wrote and published a novel that came and went very quickly several years oh, wow. ago. So now That's I'm writing great. again. Now that my son has grown and writing again, I'm taking mostly writing classes. I'm being not very smart and I'm taking all the writing classes first. So I'm going to be left with uh-huh. math and... Yeah. Your next Geology. book is a novel about a mathematician. With math and science. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not very smart, but I'm having a lovely time taking all the writing classes. That sounds yeah, great. Like a great plan to me. Yeah. It sounds great. Yeah, it is. It's great fun. Yeah. Well, we look forward to whatever comes next for you. Yeah. Thank you. And you always have a space to promote it here on Inside Conan. <laughs> that should be just a standing. We we pay reparations to Courtney Thorne Smith <laughs> for self-promotion. Oh, I shouldn't have told her I had fun. I should have said it was awful. You owe yeah. me. Damn it. You should have said that. I yeah. Oh, you'll that learn eventually. Wrong. You will learn eventually. Well, Courtney, it's so great to meet you. Thank you for doing yeah. this. Thank you. This was fun. So good to talk to you both. Yeah, you too. We were very excited when when you said yes. You said you'd be on the show. Yeah. Oh, very <laughs> so yes. much fun. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Many thanks to Courtney Thorne-Smith. Thank you, Courtney. We did promise in that interview that we were going to watch right. Chairman of the Board. I immediately forgot we promised that. And then our producer uh-huh. was like, so you guys are going to watch a movie, right? And we're like, wait, <laughs> what? He's like, you promised. Yeah. And then you watched it first. And I thought, well, mm-hmm. we don't both need to watch it. Right. There's no sense in both of us being miserable. So did you watch it? I did end up watching it. Oh, you felt guilty. In solidarity, yeah. And I, I didn't say a thing to you one way or the other, whether it was... You didn't. A fantastic sleeper. Should have been a sleeper hit. Right. A cult classic. Well... Well, I did look up the Rotten Tomatoes score. Yeah. Do you know what it is? I think it was like 13%. It was 13%, yes. Yeah. And with our two Which I, th- I think you get 7% just for putting your name on <laughs> That's it. That's true. Where do we start? That movie within the first 30 seconds lets you know what you're in for. Yes. Which is very unusual for a film to come out of the gate <laughs> that strongly. As hot. It yes. comes out hot in one direction. <laughs> boy, oh boy. What I was curious about was whether they came up with the title before the movie was written. Because there's just a very loose 
so there's kind of a surfing theme in the movie. Right. Top is a surfer dude. Right. And he lives in Venice. And then I'll just give a quick plot synopsis. Oh, okay. He somehow, he befriends this old man who is the head of a multi-million dollar corporation. Jack Warden, the, the great ac- yes. character actor. Yes. Uh, that, that stunned me that he was in there. <laughs> Only for one scene. Right. And then he dies. He knew what to do. And he leaves everything to Carrot Top. Right. Who becomes chairman of the board. Right. See, it, the uh-huh. title works on two levels. It works levels. on two levels. The thing I did like is that uh-huh. Jack Warden does a video will yes. where he bequeaths things. And I thought that was both a great device and also something that I would like to explore myself. Sure. Just one last... Absolutely. F you to my enemies. And then it, it forces uh, people to come to your funeral to watch a video well. That's true. Good way to get a... A full house. Yeah, attendance. Oh, and then you're not, you don't have to be there to hear if, if stuff's not getting laughs. Right. That's the best part. You know what amazed me about that movie? Carrot Top was screaming the entire movie. Like, no one told him, you're not in a club. <laughs> hey, what's like talking like this? Would you like to go out on a date? <laughs> I, I was just... It was the most... It was crazy. It was crazy. Well, and I was also curious, he has all these homemade inventions. Do you right. think that he made those himself? Are they are they technically props? They are props. I mean, he was he was a hot prop comic at the time. Right. So they, they were like, let's cash in on his prowess for props. Yes. And the fact he screams on stage, which uh-huh. I understand on stage. But <laughs> he was yelling through the whole movie. Yeah, it really was off tonally with how everyone else was. I mean, Courtney right. is is kind of a serious actress in it. Right. She's a very buttoned up executive at the company. Right. Who who also I was like she didn't even appear till I think 45 minutes into the film. No. I think they were writing it and they're like, "Oh, you know, we need to add a love interest." Yes. And is the movie over yet? No. Okay. Here's <laughs> how much Courtney. More? Yeah. Yeah, Thorin Smith. And then she quickly, you know, falls for car- the top just because of all of his, you know, I'm sure he has many props for the bedroom. <laughs> and that, w- that was that. You have to hope. I will say the one thing that saved it for me is Larry Miller, isn't it? Who is a, yes. one of my favorite comedians. That was uh, the best part of the movie by a lot. He's a great comic funny. actor. Very funny. He and Oh, man. I don't know if you ever saw him do stand-up comedy. Uh, late 80s, early 90s, one of the top comics, really, really hilarious. So he's he's really funny. He's and, really great. Yeah. I mean, I don't. As Carrot Top's nemesis. Also, yes, you're he's a really good for villain. him against Carrot Top. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Carrot Top's a really nice guy and everything, but but they, they just um, should have toned down his screaming in the film. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it just seems. All of it's odd. I don't know how it was, if it was written for Carrot Top or if he... I think so. It must Okay. Be. But it's an insane movie. If you, Yes. Yeah. It's crazy on all levels. Like my eyes and my ears and my brain have lawyered up. <laughs> <laughs> Three separate sets of attorneys to sue. Yeah, the e- ear damage. I was happy to have the commercial breaks. That kind of oh, helped my, that's, me. I was going to say that the commercials actually saved the movie. Yes. 
I think that more movies like this should have commercial breaks. Yes. To be honest. I did really actually, it did help. It's like it, it helped. Yeah. I could get up, I could collect my thoughts and then you, mm-hmm. you dive back in. Yeah. <laughs> it was like doing, you know, interval training. Your taxes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I did write down that they, they use the phrase, And I didn't know if this ever, I mean, this is in my head from the time, but I didn't realize anyone ever actually used it. But the phrase, that's gotta hurt. Oh, was that in the movie? Was in there multiple times, yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow, that must have been a big catchphrase in the late 90s. Yeah, or maybe it became one because of this movie. That's what I couldn't Uh, remember. (laughs) Well, sure. (laughs) You know what I loved when I was done? It said, if you, customers who watched (laughs) Jeremy the Board... Uh, the movies. This is going to screw up our algorithms. Absolutely. It's, well, it's going to screw up my wife's algorithm because <laughs> it's suggesting Blues Brothers 2000, <laughs> The Love Guru. Yes. Something called Shanghai Noon. And I looked up the director. You know what he went on to direct? What? Inspector Gadget 2. <gasps> oh, he's a gadget guy. Bever- yes. Beverly Hills Chihuahua 2. <laughs> Jingle All the Way 2. two? Oh, wow. Yes. I mean, technically, he should have directed Chairman of the Board, too. Yeah. But... But this was how he earned his place. And yeah, exactly. And I think he did a, some Hallmark Christmas movies around there, which is also perfect. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was uh, impressed that three people had written this movie. That was the... <laughs> is that true? The takeaway I had. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a group project. It, it was... Yeah. And maybe it was a too many cooks situation. Right. A lot of hothead personalities. Right. Yeah. Wanting their artistic vision. Maybe they should remake it and just have one writer and it'll... Mm-hmm. It could be remade. Yeah. I wonder who would be the modern day Carrot Top. We could write the sequel. Oh. <gasps> Why don't we agree to do that right now? <laughs> Another bad, just like we agreed to watch this. Now we're, let's agree to remake it. Yeah. Chairman of the board too. I don't know who that movie was made for. It wasn't for kids. Cause there's, I think there's a lot of dirty people who are hard of hearing. <laughs> yeah. There were a lot, there were a lot of sex jokes in it. There was a lot of dirty stuff in there. So uh-huh. it wasn't kid friendly, but yet. I'm going to say stoners. Okay. Morpheners, maybe too. Yeah. <laughs> it was. Uh, well, we did watch it and we didn't have to pay for it. I saw that you can buy it for $3.99. Uh, Usually <laughs> it's a rental for $3.99. <laughs> well, hey, I have an idea. If our listeners have ideas for bad movies we can watch next. Oh, I'd love that. You can either write them into us or leave a review on iTunes. That would be great. And tell us what awful movies we can enjoy. And please, if you like our show, please review it and give it five stars. Please review it more generously than we reviewed Chairman of the Board. (laughs) Yes, we're angling for 15%. Yes, (laughs) approval, that would be great. And we didn't do a listener question this week because obviously we got carried away. Yes. But please keep submitting them. You can call us at 323-209-5303. Or email us at insideconanpod at gmail.com. We will continue to like you. (laughs) Wait, I'm not allowed to say it. You can say it. Inside Conan, an important Hollywood podcast, is hosted by Mike Sweeney and me, Jesse Gaskell. Produced by Sean Doherty. Our production coordinator is Lisa Byrne. 
Executive produced by Joanna Solotaroff, Adam Sachs, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. Engineered and mixed by Will Beckton. Our talent bookers are Gina Batista and Paula Davis. Thanks to Jimmy Vivino for our theme music and interstitials. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. And of course, please subscribe and tell a friend to listen to Inside Conan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or whatever platform you like best. It's the Conan Show. Put on your hat. It's the Conan Show. Try on some spats. You're gonna have a laugh. Give birth to a calf. It's Conan. This has been a Team Coco production. <laughs>